0: Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest is originally from a small town west of Ann Arbor and now lives within a small suburb of Detroit with her husband and two cute corgis. Janine holds an undergraduate degree from Michigan State University, a graduate degree from Walsh College, and a project management professional certification. Janine currently works as a business and tech consultant within the staffing industry. In order to make ends meet, Janine started contracting as a gig pet care worker in 2017. To her surprise, her side business steadily grew, and in April of this year, she will celebrate one year opening her own pet care business, J9s Canines. In addition to her full-time job and a part-time side hustle, Janine volunteers for a few organizations that support women who have experienced crisis or violence. Janine currently holds the position of Michigan State Public Affairs Committee Secretary and locally the Junior League of Birmingham Public Policy Committee Chair. She is also the chair of her company's Affinity Group, where her focus is to create networking, growth, and development opportunities for over 120 members. Janine, can you be any more impressive? <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have this conversation. And for those of you that don't know, Janine and I met through Junior League of Birmingham that I used to be a part of too. And I'm so excited for this conversation because you have such an impactful story. So, before we dive into, of course, the cute corgis and the amazing dog stories you have, I want to start throwing it back to your childhood. So what was your childhood like and what did you want to be when you grew up? So my childhood, it's a complicated story, but everyone know that
1: I'm totally fine now. But I'm originally from Pinckney, Michigan, where my mom and dad were married um, a situation arise throughout my childhood. So it's really all I knew as a child was I witnessed a lot of domestic violence. So I have a big passion for advocating for children of domestic violence and then women as well. So that's kind of full circle of why I joined the Junior League. Um, And you'll see more of that within my life as well. So after moving out of Pinckney, um, I moved to Grass Lake. and moved in with my stepdad that was around 12. Um, Pinkney's is like a lake town. It was really fun to grow up on the lake, but obviously not always the best situation when you're experiencing domestic violence. So we escaped from there. We moved to Grass Lake, a super small town. It's actually funny because I was listening to your other podcast with Melanie. She's from Horton. I'm from probably 30 minutes from there as well. Also a super small town. Yeah. yeah. I think I graduated with 60 people. Very, very, very small. It was awesome. I really enjoyed growing up in a small town. It was a safe environment. I also like used to joke that people would know we were going to get in trouble before we even knew because it was such a small town. You knew like there was going to be a party before you even yep. knew about it. So your parents always knew. But a small town, I was on the track team. I went to States. That was just an awesome life. I grew up on a farm. So it was 100 acres. It was a retired Christmas tree farm. And then we had a lot of unique animals. So that's where my love for animals came from. We had llamas, chickens, goats. We had ostriches. We had peacocks and dogs and cats and everything. So Jeez. it was a very unique childhood. Yeah, I loved living in, it's a grass lake that I'm from. So I, I loved living there. It was a really fun experience. Also, your question about what did I want to be? When I grew up, it's like funny because I'm doing a lot now. So it kind of is ironic. Um, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Not surprised. Yeah. A new teacher mm-hmm. and artist and also be on Saturday Night Live. So I kind of doing all of that because I like to make people laugh. I take care of the animals. I like to train people at work. And artist
0: part is I design programs. So So you're doing all the things. Right. It actually ended up working out somehow, so. And Janine is absolutely hilarious. And I, <laughs> there was like a memory I was thinking of when you agreed to the podcast and I couldn't remember what it was or what the context was, but you're just always a breath of fresh air and you're just always, I won't sit here and hype you up unless you want me to, because I totally will, but. <laughs> oh <no. laughs> I'll get embarrassed, but
1: yeah, I think people that have like darker upbringings have the m- most, um sense of humor about life so I think that's the way that people they can get through it so yes but now I'm a huge advocate for people who were in my situation because growing up I was a child that slipped through the cracks I couldn't read because I couldn't see because people couldn't figure out that I mean there was so much going on in my life that I got glasses in second grade I should have had classes at the age of like two or three wow yeah, I, slip, I definitely was somebody that slipped through the cracks, but like I fought through it. So I like see those kids and that's like going to be my purpose. And like I'm, I'm gearing up for that to help those children that have experienced severe cases. And they just don't know that there's actually like purpose and somebody's looking out for them and they can do it. They can pull through and find that they're not the only one that's experiencing that. And that's not how life should be. So that is what I'm gearing up to be, is an advocate for those children. So
0: Now, and if you're comfortable answering this, of course, but I don't even want to say like, I can relate to you at all. But I'm saying, especially, I mean, I think as we get older as adults, you come to the realization of like, oh, that wasn't normal or, oh, wow, maybe I did have a like not so normal childhood or anything like that. So at what age did you kind of realize like, oh, this was different or kind of comprehending? Because I feel like when anyone starts therapy and just kind of speaking from my own experience, like you think through therapy and you, I'm like, oh, that's fine. That was normal. And therapist is like, mm-hmm. the fuck it is normal. Like, are you kidding me? So what was that journey kind of like for you when you came to that realization?
1: Um, Yeah, I have been in therapy probably since I was 12. Mm-hmm. They put me in therapy because... It was very traumatic and um, I think it was like court ordered. So I've been in therapy, I'm 36 now for years and I'm unraveling, okay, that's not normal. Um, But probably I think I started figuring it out because when you're, I'm the eldest, so I have a younger sister, you don't get childhood, you become like a parent, you're trying to keep um, your siblings safe. So I think I probably clung on to other families that were whole And I noticed how their families were. Um, So I was lucky enough to find those people and then realize it wasn't normal. But really, that was the situation I was in. And then even today, still unraveling things with my therapist about, okay, no, that's not. Even though it's like there's certain things where there's blatant um, abuse, but then there's also things that are psychological that you don't even know until you start figuring it out. So I would say at a young age, I knew the physical abuse was not right. But then also having to relearn how to talk to yourself and what's appropriate and what's not has been like an ongoing journey. So mm-hmm.
0: definitely knew at a very young age, okay, this is not right. Right. <laughs> and it's different too, I feel like when you hit different milestones or I mean, if you're in your first like healthy relationship or just kind of can see things from the out. And this is me speaking from experience, not putting words into your mouth, but It's just like I feel like different milestones come up or certain jobs or certain triggers you didn't think would trigger you. And then they do. And it's just like, I don't know. I'm I'm not going to get on the preaching of like us as a society, we
1: downplay these things. But it's
0: true. I mean.
1: And that's why I I wanted to talk about that with you is because I think shedding light on it is really important. And I do know you're talking about where you just kind of play out situations of your family dynamic again and again and again until you finally figure it out. Um, Because people who have experienced that, it feels normal for that type of abuse or just a situation because familiarity breeds just you're going to continue that cycle until you figure out that it's not normal. So figure that out. Thank God. But, you know, like I think mental health, it should be so accessible. Um, It should be free. It should be something that we need within the U.S. I mean, and globally. It's so important because you need to know what's normal and what's not so that you don't keep living that cycle over and over again.
0: Oh, well, I think, you know, my thoughts on mental health that you uh, follow me and my two psychology degrees, but it is true. I mean, why it's not treated like a common cold or just like, oh, you take the time off. I mean, life's too stressful and especially the traumatic few years we've had as a society and let alone people who have lost loved ones or just frontline workers or just anything as a whole. I mean, it's it was traumatic for everyone. And I think we're seeing now the effects of how that has kind of played out and all that together. Mm-hmm. I want to talk through, because you do so much great work, especially with Junior League and the other organizations you're a part of, but how have you made it your mission to really give back and have a place for your heart instead of just saying like, oh, well, that's not my problem, like I'm sure some people do?
1: So, I think a lot of people and I, I get this way as well. But the thing that keeps me going is when you are a child and you, you see your mother abused, you get abused and you don't know really if you're going to live to the next day. You have to keep going because that builds grit in someone to not give up. Because I think about all those kids that were in my situation I'm never going to give up on those kids because I I wish to God that there was somebody that was there for me. I did it for myself, really. And thank God my mom found my stepdad to rescue us out of that. But I know there's so many kids that don't have that um, the opportunity. But I don't really have an option to not follow through. I'm always going to follow through. So I just think about them all the time. Like, how is that I can help these women? How can I help these children that really didn't, they're put in this situation that's not fair? And just think about them. So, because I was there and I, I know what it's like. So, but if, if just somebody like, I think about what I referred to earlier, slipping through the cracks, like I made it all the way to high school and I remember like, there's certain things that you just remember. A lot of things when you're younger, you kind of black out when you go through situations like that. But there's certain things that I remember where I think I was like a senior or junior in high school and the counselor went around and was giving out pamphlets for college. And I went to like reach out and grab one from her while she was giving them out, everyone at my my lunch table. And she was like, you. (gasps) You're not going to college. Yeah. And so, like, I just really was somebody that slipped through the cracks all the time. So, I didn't even have that through like a guidance counselor. And I just think about like it really did develop grit. And if just somebody could say to those kids, like, I see you, I hear you, like, you can do this, you know, that would give them the willpower to like push through. So, Mm -hmm. that's another thing I think about a lot too is like how many kids are slipping through the cracks where people are burnt out and they can't help them. Like what happens to them? Right. That's
0: something I, I think about all the time. So. Well, and we're seeing even more teachers getting burnt out. I mean, I know how many teachers I'm helping transition out and it's sad and it's. I know. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, it's not your fault. Like you're not given the resources for anything. But even now, like
1: there's certain things that are happening and just the pushback, like what happened at Michigan State. Like I went to Michigan State and trying so hard the thoughts and prayers, and then it gets ignored. And I understand people getting burnt out, but like it's not gonna change unless there are some people that keep pushing and motivate everybody else for that
0: change, so. That was perfect segue because I was gonna just ask about that. I don't know the governing body, so I'm gonna sound like an idiot here, but. No, it's okay. You write our state representatives on certain issues. I remember when I was in junior league, it was, um, oh my gosh, I'm gonna butcher this, but it essentially was if your address is open to public address confidentiality agreement or the program yeah yes you're going to explain it way better than me but the fact that you write to our representatives especially following the michigan state shooting there and everything else like what does public policy truly mean because i don't think a lot of people understand how impactful even for volunteering you are being right now in your committee
1: no and the thing is is that i didn't even really understand what it was when i joined junior league either um, what happened was at a general membership meeting. Jane O'Shea and Jean Doss did a presentation, and they talked about the Address Confidentiality Program, where you can get your address hidden when you experience abuse and you are stalked. You can hide your address, and I just remember back in the day where you could go unlisted in the phone book, but now you can just Google search people and find their address. It's super easy. So they went through. A presentation on, you know, we need to pass this bill. And I walked up to Jane O'Shea and I told her my story. When I heard Jane giving her story, I was like, okay, I have to get involved. I need to talk about my story so that we can go and get this bill passed. I didn't know anything about public policy. So, public policy, to answer your question, is really just advocating, contacting your uh, representatives, your senators, so that they can advocate for you and get certain bills passed. So once it was unveiled, how actually accessible it is, it's like more people should be doing this. At Junior League, we do have consultants that can look up bills for us and we can go push them through and try to advocate, say this is the Junior League wants to represent this bill. Then we brought it down to our level in Birmingham as well, just like learn about public policy because... Junior League is a nonprofit organization, which means we have to stay bipartisan. So we can't be on either side of politics. So now I've been trained basically just how do you look up who your senator is? How do you or your representative? Who's in your district? What are house bills? You just go to like Michigan Gov website and you can look up house bills of what's being proposed and advocate for them and call. And they actually your representatives respond to you. Like, who would have thought? You know, they actually are like, "Oh, I got your email. Okay, yep." And then you can talk to them. You can go to their coffee chats and tell them that this is something that means something to you, and then they can advocate for you. And that's really what it is: is understanding what kind of house bills are going in, what kind of laws, and saying that you want this pushed through to become a law. So, there's a whole process about the thing, and it is. Um, I heard someone recently say public policy isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. But then they even said further, it's a not a sprint. It's kind of like just like a battle to even get through because it could go all the way into being signed and then it gets pushed back because there's just different situations and like over years, like it could just change over a leadership and then it gets pushed back down. So you just have to follow. But the address confidentiality program did pass. And then the next step is actually getting the funding and they have the funding and it's been written into the budget. So people who are stalked, you can soon be able to hide your address. So it's really exciting because it actually works if you you try, you know, so got to get just a bunch of
0: people that are willing to try and move forward. So I mean, none of this is easy and that's where it's like, oh, yeah, nothing will change. And I always relate it back. It's like women couldn't vote before. Yeah. Think of how many discriminatory laws there were. I mean, it's collectively coming together to do something. And yes, we have a gun violence problem in this country. Yes, we have so many, so many, so many issues that even if you make a small difference or save a life, there like this address confidentiality. And I remember leaving that meeting when Jane did talk about it. And I just was like, I didn't even know that was a thing because I have not gone through that situation. Thankfully, but I'm thankful for how much information we're presented in a sense that, hey, this is a problem that we need to fix. But then also the bad turn of that is anyone can find anything out about you. Mm -hmm. You provide a lot of great resources, even just on social media and just like (laughs) really impactful articles. I just really enjoy what you do there, too. So I feel like we need like three podcasts for each facet of your (laughs) life. (laughs) Like I want to be talking about Junior League and the public policy end, but I want to hear about your um, dog business, too. So you wear multiple hats. Obviously, you have your full time job. You have the side business. You're volunteering. And this is not just like, oh, I'm going to show up and volunteer. Like you are writing state representatives. You are doing 5000 things at once. How do you manage all of it? Or how how does everything fit in your life together?
1: Oh, my gosh. I guess it's probably the way that I was raised, too, because. My um, biological father is an entrepreneur. So is my stepdad. Oh, yeah. So I I think it was probably just being like around that mindset as well. Like you got to wake up early. You have to do it. The customer service that you're providing. I just basically write out all of the things I'm doing and I like fit it all in. I have a whole Google um, sheets. Everything is like written down to like the 30 minutes where I have to go. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty intense. So I have my full-time job. I'm a consultant. I set up third-party HR program offices. So that for those in staffing, where it's like a liaison in between a corporate uh, large Fortune 500 company and then the recruiters to make sure everyone's compliant. So that's what I do from like eight to five. And then for my dog business, I'll like wake up at six, walk dogs in the morning, And then as soon as I'm done at work, go walk more dogs. And I just have built a clientele. So I move it through, you know, just the day. I don't think I sleep very much, but that's actually probably something I need to uh, work on for the future is having a healthier work-life balance. But I just can't sit still. Like, I've just never been somebody that can
0: sit still. Girl preach. Yeah. So
1: like, I get bored. So I need to always be doing something. And I guess this is my dog business is kind of my hobby too. That's I just fit it in. And then my volunteer work, if everything is just built out in my calendar, I know like, okay, this day I can't do extra dog visits. I'm going to do volunteer work. So I just somehow, somehow get it done, you know?
0: I love that. No, I'm I'm very much the same of like, I can't sit still, but you do even more than I do. So you're amazing. I want to talk about this because before we started recording, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, you started this business as another means of income. Okay. So if you feel comfortable, of course, we'd love to talk through it, but you don't have the family to rely on. You don't have like, and a lot of people don't realize what a privilege that is that come from families like that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if things are tight, like you just, oh, ask a family member for support. Well, you don't have that option. So, I want to talk through, if you feel comfortable, kind of where you were at and what you started this business for. Sure. So in
1: 2017, a relationship ended that I was in and we lived in a house together and it kind of ended abruptly where I didn't have a lot of savings to just go out and buy a house. So everyone was telling me, why, you just go rent a house, but I had my two dogs and I wanted them to be able to have a yard and also apartments. If you rent an apartment, it was almost the same in 2017 as a mortgage. And you have to probably pay $100 a month to have like a dog. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cash out some of my 401k and I'm going to buy a house, but I need two incomes because it's not, I'm not going to be able to make payments on all of my bills if I don't have two jobs. So I thought about, okay, should I rent out a room in my house? I'm kind of a little bit introverted. So I decided against that. And my sister was actually doing um, Rover. So it's like a gig, kind of like an Uber for dog walking or dropping in or dog boarding. And I was like, okay, I'll just try this out. She was doing it. She said she really liked it. I have my own dogs. And Actually, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty successful because of where I, I'm like located too. Um, I'm in a little small town, Berkeley, and just really the community. I, I like know tons. I probably have like a client on every street and I wave in them. I talk to them all the time. Um, and it just kind of took off. And I thought, okay, I'm only gonna do it for one year just so that I can get settled, stay afloat on finances. Then it just, Word of mouth happened. I started getting more and more clients. And I don't know, like, I feel like if I ever volunteered and was, like, a foster parent, like, I'd be a foster fail. Because, like, I love those dogs and those animals. Like, like, I think pets are, like, little souls. Oh, my gosh. Yes. But they're just, like, little people. So I was, like, I can't say no to them. So then it just, this upcoming November, it'll be six years. But last year, I've decided to just go full like throttle. And okay, this is not just like a thing for me to make ends meet. It's blossomed into a um, business. And it actually last year, it tripled in my
0: um, earnings. Amazing. Congratulations. That's incredible.
1: Thank you. I know. And then it's really nice because it was really unexpected. I didn't think that would happen. So I'm really grateful for it. I met a lot of really awesome people and it um, honestly like makes you think about humanity because you're just meeting all these people that also love their pets too. Um you also meet some interesting people, but oh, I'm sure. <laughs> all of my clients are the ones that I, I like see regularly are are awesome. So, and I'm like it's kind of like becoming one of the family. Like I have two dogs that I've been walking since 2017 and they're like I'm like one of the family, they gave me like Christmas presents and like all of a sudden It's really cute. Yeah. I love it. I love it too. It's really
0: nice. And I love your TikToks of the dogs just running around like crazy. <laughs> and your husband being the dog whisperer of five dogs piled on top of him. Like I just, I, I love it.
1: That was the most unexpected. It was so funny because my mom was like, you're not going to find a guy because he's not going to want like all these dogs. And I was like, oh, you're just. but <laughs> I was like. Yeah, it's so funny. I think it's like probably that generation because a couple of women at my work have also said it to me too. Like, that's sick too many dogs. Men don't like that. I'm like, well, not the kind of men that I like. All right. They like five dogs
0: piled on them. (laughs) Right. It is such a generational thing. You're like, oh, don't be too aggressive or don't be yourself and don't do this. I know. So funny. That's why you're in unhappy marriages and I'm not. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's a whole other conversation. But Yeah. So tripling your business, that's incredible. Okay. Where are you taking it this year? What do you want to see happen? Or is there anything exciting happening for your business that we need to know about?
1: Right now, I'm kind of on a pause with taking any new clients. I actually have quite a few clients that I can manage on myself with working a full-time job. So I have my client base and then uh, taking on drop-in visits. Like those are easier than having dogs here. So drop-in visits are where you go to someone's house between like 30 minutes to an hour. You like let their dog out or you take them in a walk. I can still accept those. The ones in home, it's a little hard to manage. But I'm hoping eventually that my husband and I, maybe we could buy a bigger house with like an acre or something. He honestly surprised me the most because I was doing really well with it. But these dogs like even love him more than me. And I'm like, that's rude. Yeah. like, (laughs) So I was thinking that we could potentially just like turn it into a business and he could run it too. And I could, you know, do my corporate job. Because that's something that I think about too, is being an entrepreneur is a little scary. If you go full in, I like to have my corporate job as well. So you get a little bit of creativity and your own business, but then you also have like a little bit of stability too. So
0: well, and it is nice to do like an easier transition if he can run it or, mm-hmm. you know, so if you're both running it. And then if it makes sense to if you're financially stable, like with it all, then to take it full time. Because I feel like a lot of people think like, oh, why would you just like take it full time? And it's it's scary. Like it you're is doing scary. phenomenal, especially if you're not even taking on new clients. But mm-hmm. I totally understand that. That's awesome. I think probably
1: just more like Instagram and TikToks. <laughs> we'll, we'll focus on that this year.
0: Oh, my God. I love them. You are freaking (laughs) hilarious on TikTok. And the things you come up with with these damn dogs are so cute. Like, and well, it's all of them. They're so all dogs have little
1: personalities. They're so funny.
0: They are. And I also agree because my dog adores my boyfriend. Like, I think if it were she had to save one of us, I honestly think she would choose him. Like, yeah, I'm like, I rescued you. Do you not remember? He's new to the picture. Okay, remember where you come from? It's the funniest thing. You're like, really? I have my corgi right underneath here, too. He's like,
1: <laughs> he's um panting. He's like, uh, I don't know, whenever I'm like on a call, he's like, wait, you're not paying attention to me. Why do they always do that? I swear. I don't know. I think it's like you're talking to somebody and they're like, what is going no on? Yan- Who are you talking to? But as soon as my husband comes home, they'll be like freaking out and like wiggling for him. But I, maybe it's because we stay home with him. I don't know. Maybe. At least that's for me. He goes off to work, so he's like more hard to get or something. He's not always there.
0: Mm-hmm. Something, I swear. How do your dogs do with all, when you have other dogs that stay over? Do they love having other friends? Yes. The boy dog, the one that's sitting right here, loves friends. It's Winnie and what's the boy's name? Elroy. Elroy, Elroy yes.
1: Yes. He loves dogs. He like, wants to play with dogs. So if we go to the dog park, he's like the one that freaks out and like runs off in a pack and just like wants to be in a pack. My girl's on and she like thinks she's a human. She's like, oh my God, there's dogs here. Like, you know, like. Can't be bothered. Yeah. She only likes people. So she like go home with anybody. She like wiggles and like almost leaves with people. So they're opposites. So that's what was actually like a good trade-off is he wants to be around dogs. And she's like, ew, dogs, like I'm a human. So he gets his like fun time. So it
0: actually is a really nice thing for him. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Yeah. What's been like the most surprising thing about running this business, whether it's dog wise or entrepreneur wise or.
1: Let me think about it, the most. Surprising. I guess honestly that just people are more this more alike than you actually think. Mm-hmm. Even honestly, bringing back to politics, like the way that people kind of think, oh, This side thinks this way and that side thinks this way. No, everybody is just really trying to do their best and they everyone loves their pets. And we all are like I go into a lot of people's houses and we are a lot the same than we are different. Mm -hmm. So that's something I a big takeaway.
0: That's such a great grounding piece of advice because it's so true. I mean, I have the same conversation every day. It's like, okay, you're worried about that. So is everyone else. It's just nobody, mm-hmm. not too many people talk about it. We'll say going back to mental health and everything else. Now, as we wrap this up, Janine, my parting question I give to everyone: What advice do you have for listeners? And it's completely open ended. How you want to interpret it.
1: So I thought really hard about that. I have tons of quotes that I could tell you because there's just some things I I talk to myself about, like. One of them is like the cream always rises to the top like if you work really hard. It, but really, one of the biggest things I think about and how I like to be treated and I, how I hope people would treat me is really listen to understand, not listen to respond. Because I feel like you'll learn so much more if you really are an active, attentive listener to people. It'll, I think it'll make things a lot more easier if you're actually, your intent is to listen to understand than to
0: respond or what you think someone's going to say. Right. I think I read something somewhere. It was like, do you want a solution or do you want me to listen? And it is completely different. And a lot of people, it's like, I don't want you to solve. Them. I'm very much that way. I'm like, just listen to me. I'm going to complain for 30 seconds and then I'm going to feel better and say, oh yeah, that's and I'm great. We're good. But yeah, this was so much fun. You have such a great story. I can't wait. you should write a book one day and get your story out because it's incredible. And I'm sure we could spend hours even talking intricacies of this, but for those that maybe want to get involved that are listening with public policy, junior league or anything, what are some simple things people can do? Either reach out to you or what actions can they take?
1: I'm actually really glad you said that. You can reach out to me. Uh, my email is, well, it's my name, J-E-A-N-N-I-N-E dot lions. It's a long one. At Gmail. Reach out to me and I'm, I'm happy to help you. You can follow my Instagram account with my J-9s Canine. So it's the letter J, the number nine. And then canines on Instagram, but really, there's an event I'm actually uh, getting ready to host, and I'm very excited about it. It's how to become an advocate, and we're titling it "I Am the One." So it's all about how do you become the one that just stands up and advocates for a purpose. And that's April 15th in Birmingham at the Community House. We I can share a link with you if you yes. want to give it to those, but. Tickets are $45, but it's a whole day event. It's from 8.30 to 3, and it's really walking you through the basics of how to become an advocate and how to get involved with public policy. So it's a big passion project, and we're hoping it's going to be an annual event. So it's really demystifying public policy and making it tangible with action items. You can walk out the door and get to work. Amazing. Now, do we know when tickets sales will
0: close for that? They're probably going to close uh one to two weeks before. Okay. So perfect. Well Janine, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. That's a great event. Didn't know about, so definitely we'll be attending. Yay. And for those of you listening, if you want to learn more about Janine, just head to the show notes for her links to her social media, see her adorable corgis, and tune in again next week for another episode of That's Business.
1: If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue Can Help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone. But here at The Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating your resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.